Hey, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with this psychic sister. This is Katie Weaver, and it is time for my Friday pop-up show. So, <laughs> I hope you guys are having a wonderful Friday. We took a drive into the mountains this afternoon that was incredible. We live near um, well, a lot of mountains, actually. We're down in a valley. And we were going in search of a few huckleberries. And it's a little bit late for huckleberries. But however, we are uh, lucky that we <laughs> can climb a little higher and still get to them. And we did, which was really fun. So we picked huckleberries. We dug osha root. We saw some amazing sights. And it's been really smoky here. But we managed to get above the smoke for a while, which was also, I think, pretty cool. So, yeah, a badly needed break uh, to just get back to nature. So that's what's been up in my world. I hope you guys are having a good kickoff to your weekend, however. So I'm going to share with you, this is quite a case. This is the amazing things that happened to eventually solve the murder of Nicole Vanderherk. So some background on Nicole. This actually happened in the Netherlands in 1995. So Nicole Vanderherk lived with her dad and sometimes with her grandma. She was 15. She had been... Uh, kind of living with dad and grandma back and forth, it looks like, for a while. Uh, her mom had actually killed herself uh, earlier that year, and things have been pretty hard. She was working at a bakery and would get out of school and then ride her bike to the bakery every day. Dad worked in music and wasn't home very much, so grandma was pretty much in charge of Nicole and her older brother, Andy. So on this day, Nicole gets, this was on October 6th, 1995. She gets home from school, grabs her stuff and at grandma's house and then rides her bike, as she always does, to the bakery, but she never got there. And it was not like her at all to be late. So she wasn't very late and they actually called the police and got a hold of grandma, you know, and said, she's not here. And so there was a search that started and eventually alongside a road, they found her bike and along another road, they found her bag and they searched for quite a while. And finally, about six weeks later, her body was found in the woods between the towns of Mirlo and Lyrop. That might be totally wrong. Those are the names of the town, at least uh, <laughs> with my pronunciation, but I could have killed them. It's possible. So they find her body and everyone is so devastated. Her whole town, everyone had been looking, you know, and this really rocked their town. And she was, uh, she'd been raped and stabbed many times with a really small knife, like a little fishing knife or pocket knife. And they figured she actually died from bleeding to death because of those injuries. So 
Well, the police opened an investigation, and in fact, they suspected brother and dad were actually suspects for a few minutes, and then were, uh, you know, were finally let off the hook, but they never really figured out what happened to Nicole. And her case went quick, went cold pretty quick. And it was really frustrating to her family because they tried and tried to help get some kind of help. They put out an award, you know, for anyone, a reward for anybody who had leads, but nothing. It was just like she had vanished. Nobody ever saw anything. And the family was very frustrated because they felt like the police weren't really giving it a fair go. They just didn't, they couldn't come up with anything about what happened. So after they found her body, there just wasn't, uh, there wasn't much evidence. And the case went cold pretty fast. So, which is really sad. But over time, her dad had kind of, for a while, dad and brother both were, you know, continually contacting the police, wanting to know what's happening. Where are we with this investigation? Like, what do we know? And they just weren't getting anything. And finally, over time, dad had kind of just made his peace with it, you know, and decided that, uh, I don't know how much he actually made his peace with it. The articles that I read said that, but you know, how do you ever make your peace with having a murdered child? Right. But at any rate, I think he had finally kind of given up on the idea that they were ever going to actually find her killer. And again, you know, everybody in the family were questioned and, and had a hard look at coming at them. At some point, a girl was arrested that had been a family friend for drug trafficking. And she claimed that she knew things about Nicole's case. So she kind of started throwing around names and the police finally decided she didn't know anything. She was just trying to uh, help herself. So she was making a bunch of stuff up. So for 15 years, nothing happened. And then in 2011, Andy made a post, Andy, her brother, made a post on social media and it was on Facebook and he posted on Facebook that he was tired of carrying the guilt and he wanted the world to know that indeed it was him who had murdered Nicole. And at the time he had left the Netherlands and was living in England and he, of course, had a the police on his door step in not very long. He was arrested. He was taken back to the Netherlands. They questioned him for five days and turned him loose because they determined that he really didn't murder his sister. He was making this up. So after they turned him loose, the next thing he posted on social media was an accusation that his father had murdered Nicole. He said that his father had been, had raped Nicole and she had gotten pregnant. And so he had to murder him to cover up his crime. Well, this was news to dad. Shocked the hell out of him. He was arrested. 
And they did what Andy was trying to get them to do. And that was exhume Nicole's body. See, he knew at that point, by 2011, that technology had grown enough in DNA that there should be a way to solve his sister's murder. So indeed, they exhumed Nicole's body. And it didn't take them very long to exonerate Dad, who I can only imagine how mad at Andy he was for this for a minute. But here's what happened. They found DNA that wasn't Andy's. They found DNA that wasn't Dad's. They found DNA that they had in their criminal system. Yeah. And that DNA belonged to, hold on, I'm going to tell you. The name is kind of strange. So I'm not going to remember it off the top of my head. So it went to Netherlands Forensic Institute. And what they found was that the DNA matched a guy who was a known rapist in that town that had been in and out of psych hospitals his whole adult adult life. And so they called him in. They pulled him in. Then they questioned him. And he told them his name was Joss Digi. And I think they're not disclosing his last name. So Joss. So they interview him. He says that he remembers that day and that he had had a bad fight with his girlfriend and had stormed out mad and that he doesn't really remember what happened after that. But they have the DNA that was in Nicole's body. So they decide to, so they charge him. This is him. So they charge him with rape and with murder and his defense is that they were in a mutual relationship. The problem with that is he was about 30 and she was 15 and her family says there's no possible way that was true. Also, he did have a girlfriend at the time, but that was the defense that his lawyer really wrote on was that you can't really prove that this was that he murdered her just because his DNA was found in her body. It doesn't mean he was the killer. Well, eventually they are able to convict him of rape, but not of murder. And that was even after they lowered the charges from murder to homicide or I'm sorry, to manslaughter. And so they were at that point just seeking manslaughter and rape charges. Couldn't get the manslaughter charges. They did get him on rape, but he was only sentenced to like two years in prison. And the family was not content with that, as you can imagine. And his, uh, the prosecutors were not content with that. And even at that, it took two years to convict him because of all of the, they had to go back to the DNA multiple times. Like there was just a lot of legal stuff that went on during that time. So they ended up, uh, you know, it took two years to get the rape charges. Well, there are the rape conviction, but the prosecutor was not happy with that. So the prosecutor was able to uh, appeal that. They went back to court and they did finally get 
the uh, the manslaughter conviction. So people were a little happier with that, but still it just, uh, it wasn't enough. So eventually he did get five years for rape and he got 12 years for manslaughter. Uh, finally, they got some kind of justice, you know, and they at least knew who killed her. And that was the piece that her family got. So it's an, I think it's just a, a remarkable story. It's an incredible thing. What a risk her brother took. What a hero. But he'd lived with his sister's murder for 15 years and he couldn't live with it anymore. So he was trying to talk the police into exhuming her and getting DNA and they wouldn't do it. So he decided to go this route. Here's what he said in a quote uh, in an article I read, which I'll cite in the uh, show description. He said, I wanted to get her exhumed and get DNA off her. I kind of set myself up and it could have gone horribly wrong. To get her exhumed, I had to put steps in place to get her exhumed. I went to the police and said I did it. She is my sister. Absolutely. I miss her every day. So Andy went way out on a limb. But when the police didn't exhume her after, uh, you know, after his confession, he had to take it one step further and, uh, you know, confess for someone else. <laughs> but it paid off. It was an enormous risk that could have gone any direction, but it didn't because he was innocent and luckily justice prevailed. I just think that is such a remarkable story. What a man, what a brother uh, to do that for his sister to finally get some peace and closure for their family. I guess that'll do it, right? Just uh, going ahead and confessing yourself. So, wow. I don't know. What do you guys think? Too risky? Good risk? I mean, I'm sure he will never regret that he did it because look what it got him. Finally a conviction. Want to say hi to Chatters, Gigi, JR, Cooper, Shell. Hey, everybody. Yeah. So that's the story. I just thought that was a really remarkable one. So Rest in peace, poor Nicole. She sure didn't deserve that. My God. But I'm so glad that her family was able to finally get justice and that a murderer and rapist got taken back off the street yet again, though not for long enough. Wow. I don't know if the Netherlands just uh, have a much lighter hand when it comes to, uh, to crime. I'm guessing they do. But uh, that guy needs to be put away forever. Because he'd already been in prison for rape before. Really too bad. JR said, I really enjoyed the live with your daughter. Can you do it again? We'll definitely do it again. Yeah. Yeah, she did a good job, didn't she? She was really nervous, but I thought she rocked it. Yeah. Yeah, so that is, yeah, that was what was going on with the brother. Yeah, what a story, Chris, right? I know. I loved it. We, uh, my girls have a brother that I think would absolutely do something like that for them. I can't speak for me because I didn't have brothers. My baby brother, uh, died when he was four months old. And so I've never really known what it felt like to have a brother. 
And as a mom with a son and daughters, it's been really fun to watch the relationship and dynamics between all of them. And he'd do it. Not that he'll ever have to, but you know, what a case. All righty. Well, you guys, you probably already know, but we've had a lot already this week. Last night was my interview with special guest nurse Hadley. She is a hospice nurse that had a lot of wisdom and wonderful stories and things to share. The night before, of course, was Wednesday night case updates. And as you know, that was uh, with my daughter, Mars. We talked about the DeBelvalo case, the governor scandal that's currently rocking Utah, and a few other things. <laughs> and then our cases this week. We had, uh, let's see, on Monday, we covered Jana Williams uh, and her murder. On Tuesday, we covered Pam Hupp. If you guys aren't familiar with Pam Hupp, good hell. She is insane. She's done some awful things. And then we covered uh, James Duckett, the murder of James Duckett on Wednesday. So we've had a lot of great stuff this week. So if you haven't gotten caught up, I highly recommend that you do. Christy will be here with a pop-up tomorrow. She's finally returning from her travels today. So she'll be back uh, tomorrow with a pop-up. And then we'll be back tomorrow or next week with all of our stuff. So, yeah, I agree, Chris. Definitely. The love of brothers for their sisters. That's just really special. Well, you guys, thanks for joining me. Have a wonderful night. This is Friday, so it's a good kickoff to your weekend. Please find something to do that is fun, that is nourishing for your soul, that you actually want to do <laughs> and make it a good one. I think everybody deserves that. The energy this week has been fairly crunchy. So hopefully this weekend can be a little better. Well, this has been yet another production of True Crime Paranormal with this psychic sister. Take care. Mm -hmm.